0: Welcome to the Sogro Marketing Council podcast. The Sogro Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of Sogro Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit sogrowpr.com that's s-o-w-g-r-o-w-p-r.com and click on the marketing council tab let's get growing good morning everyone welcome to the sogrow marketing council i'm so excited to see you guys i look forward to this every month so this is a meeting where we get together as executive level marketers and we share tips with each other and the idea behind this group is that there are lots of different areas of marketing that are represented and so we're able to stay up to speed on all these different areas of marketing without necessarily having to do all of that research ourselves. So today we have some experts that have submitted tips today so if you want to present a tip we invite you to do that today and each presenter will have about four minutes. And we will share something that's educational and informational and be able to just um, let people know what's going on that will help us all as marketers. And then we'll have about one minute after each person presents for questions or if you have a comment, it's a great time just to have some discussion. And then if we have time at the end, I have a question for you guys too, because I would love your input on it as well. So um, this is also a great group for you guys to network with because if somebody needs something like web design, they probably need sales help or they need graphic design or um, social media or whatever the different areas are represented here. It's a great opportunity for us to have those resources to be able to refer people to and share business. And a lot of times I know people ask me, do you know a good web designer? Do you know somebody that does advertising? And I'm really careful who I recommend. And so I like to be able to get to know people in a group like this to be able to recommend it. So I definitely encourage you guys, Go out for coffee, you know, meet outside of this and, um, you know, just get to know this group of people because you guys are all smart and amazing and, and such a good resource. Um, all right. So I'm going to put the order in the chat today. And like I said, we're um, if somebody else pops on, then we will let them um, join as well. So if your name is on there, um, you can just, you know, if somebody's not here, we'll just skip them. Um, and then Sarah will be our timer today. So after four minutes, you guys will hear her timer go off. And, and that will just kind of let you know to wrap up and then we'll do the questions. I also invite you guys to put your information in the chat, put your name, your company, your contact information, anything that you guys would like to share today. And that way you guys can snag those. And like I said, set up coffee after this and you know, just go meet these people because you guys are all awesome. Do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. Um, we have tips from, you know, several years now, so lots of great information there. And we do like to put these tips on the podcast, um, the next episode. So, you know, you guys, um, will get a chance to get some great exposure there. And then we also invite you to use your tip as well. So if you guys want your video clip to post on your own website and that sort of thing, you know, this is a great chance for you to showcase your expertise. Um, we just ask that your tips are educational and informational and not a commercial for your business. That way we all benefit. We'll all find out how great and wonderful you are and how amazing you are um, just by your tip. So um, be sure to sign up for the next meeting, which is March 21st. And you can go to sogropr.com backslash events to find all of the meetings that we have. So that's S O W G R O W P R.com backslash events. And then you can RSVP and then also submit your tips. So that way we know um, who will present next time. So If you guys don't mind, we are going to take just a quick picture because we love to just take a picture and let everybody know and not just take a screenshot and then throw it up on social media and have everybody's eyes closed. So if you guys don't mind, I'm going to count to three and everybody smile. We're going to take a quick screenshot. One, two, three. And we're going to do it one more time because I always have somebody that closes their eyes and it's usually me. So we're going to do it one more time. One, two, three. Awesome. Sounds great. Um, All right. So we will go ahead and get started and be sure to say your name and your company when you do your tip. If you wanna share you know what your area of marketing is, we would love to hear that as well. So Rebecca, do you wanna start us out with a tip today? Sure, thank you, Stephanie. I'm Rebecca Brizzi, I do management
1: consulting and I work with small businesses. My primary function is to take all of the side of management to make that very simple for the small business owners. And I will share my URL and details in the chat when I'm done. My tip today comes from a conversation I had with a copywriter uh, very recently. We were working on a joint client And I had sent over a bunch of copy that I had first redlined, removing some words and expressions that are typical pet peeves of mine. And a whole conversation, the copywriter called me, said, thank you so much for doing that. And a whole conversation ensued about jargon, buzzwords, but also some everyday language that business owners tend to use when talking about their own business. Um, So I picked three of those in particular that I see most often to share today. and how to replace them and why I I believe that they are weak language. Now, the first one, and those of you who know me well will have probably heard me say this at some point in the past because it is one of my biggest ones is the verb to help. People tend to use the verb to help in business a lot to explain what they do. And it's actually quite a weak word because it doesn't describe what a business does. And the example I always use is that of the plumber who does not help her clients fix a leak. The plumber very much must fix the leak for her clients. And the point is to replace help with the action verb. So uh, Sarah does not help her clients manage their social media. Sarah does specific things. She takes actions. She builds calendars. She creates content. um, She looks at editorial needs. So there's a lot of activity that goes in there. So replacing help, with those activities will always be more effective. And precisely because so many people use the verb help does help a business stand out um, because they're the ones using that specific language. Uh, The second that I'm going to share is tentative language, can, could, may, might. Where I see this most often is a business saying something to the effect of when using our services or by using our services, you may be able to, or you might, or you could. Uh, And that's a very simple one, replace the tentative verb with will, you will. By using our services, you will then be able to achieve an outcome. And this is premised on the fact that nobody buys the service for the sake of the service. They need to enable something else in their business. And so being very specific about when you use my service to do my expertise, your business will be able to do the thing that comes next. Um, And that's why you're employing me. Nobody buys a Coca-Cola for the sake of the Coca-Cola, they're quenching thirst, et cetera. And then the third one that I also see is including the idea of saving time in a list of benefits. Now, while it is important that everything we do saves our clients time in addition to everything else because nobody wants to pay us to have less time available. Again, it's, it's a very sort of lowest common denominator benefit and a very simple thing to do there is replace saving time with what the client is doing with that time. So giving the client the context and the direct answer, not asking them to figure out what they're doing with that extra time, but instead being able to say specifically by using my service, one of those benefits is the additional time um, and resources, of course, that you will have to spend on clients or to build your business or whatever it is that you know or believe that that client wants to achieve. So those three words or expressions help then the tentative language may, might, could, would, um, and saving time, replacing those with something that is specific, that really paints a picture. And so when the end client is reading or listening to this, they're automatically picturing this fantastic outcome and they don't have to connect the dots themselves. The
0: service provider has done that for them. So good, Rebecca. And I know I do this and you told me just write help, just as you're getting it out, write help. And then go back yeah. and replace it. And so I've done that where I just get it out and I just write help. I just yeah. I help. And then I have to go back and do it. So I I can say I've actually used this and it's so nice. beneficial. So wonderful thoughts, oh, questions for you. Rebecca. That was great. Great information.
2: Love it. I really I love it. Go ahead. As a former uh, ad veteran from broadcast media, I'd like some really good copywriting right there. It's making me want to go back to my website and make sure I have the word help in it. <laughs> or maybe and rather in, in ten words.
3: Rebecca, I love how you always like you always are able to sort of turn that cube and have us look at things in a different way. And I just love how simple, but so applicable and so important for businesses to be able to be specific, so Thank and intentional
0: about their messaging. Thank you, sir. And to your point, I feel like everybody says we save you time. You know, we save you time. So I feel like just even. Coming up with something that's more meaningful to people mm-hmm. would, would also maybe set you apart as well. Because if you're saying yeah. the same thing as everybody else, it doesn't really add much value. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank, thank you. you for, I appreciate it. Um, Sarah, would you like to present? And then Dan and Brian, did you want to present today or did you just want to listen today? I didn't know since it was your person. You have a pre- great, perfect, wonderful. So we'll do Sarah yeah. and Dan and then Brian, and then I'll finish this up with a tip. So Sarah, would you like to present? Yeah um all
3: right so uh dealing with negative reviews like this is something that all businesses you know have to deal with from time to time and um and social media it's it's a very common thing either on the social media platforms oh and I didn't introduce myself I'm Sarah Stewart I'm with Sober PR I'm an account manager and I'm also um our social media expert so um talking about negative reviews uh so whether it's on social media platforms or on Google, we're always dealing with our customers, dealing with engagement, and it's important to manage you know, the feedback that we get from customers and things like that. So I've got some tips today about how to do that. Always try to be objective and respond promptly. Don't take it personally, be empathetic, and typically within 24 hours, it's good to have a response. If something aggravates you or something like that, try to cool down, but but still get that response pretty quickly. So to you know think about what the customer is going through, and even if it's a simple thank you for sharing your opinion, that type of thing, it's really important that that you seem responsive to the customer and that you're keeping those lines open. And customer service is is just huge on social media. People often go to social media and like, you know. The last resort after they've called and they've complained about something. A lot of times they'll go on Google or they'll go on Twitter and they'll have this experience. So it is important to, you know, treat it with care, take it, take it seriously, and respond. Be professional and empathetic. Use the first name. If they have a name in their guide, um, always use that name. That really sets your responsive heart and makes the person feel heard and, and makes it more personalized. That's a really good way. Um, also, you know, show empathy for what they went through, apologize for the negative experience, thank them for their time, uh, and offer a solution if you can. Um, provide a solution, like I said, some ways to provide a solution, offer a discount, invite the customer to come back in you know, give them a better experience, give them a gift card, be willing to go back and forth, especially remember that all of these interactions, this is the type of, you know, third party referrals and things like that, feedback that people are going to go and read when they're thinking about your business. So this is a public platform and you really need to treat it with that special care with this customer and make sure that, you know, you're addressing it correctly. Um, track recurring themes. If things keep coming up, you know make sure that you're paying attention to those um, pain points and those issues. And we're you know passing them along to the customer service or the management or you know the business owner, if you're you know the social social media person in between, so that they get handled. It's really important to deal with those themes and issues that keep coming up. And um spammy reviews that always happen. Don't respond to them. Um, don't don't feed the fire, don't do anything like that. You just want to flag them and hopefully, you know, within 24 or 48 hours, Google, Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, wherever, whatever platform that you're on will take care of them and take them down. But don't give fuel to the fire, just ignore them. Um, this is the source that I use for these tips. Um, so she, it's a Social media platform management. So I'll share these tips in the blog. Um, but just some good reminders. I was, you know, kind of looking around for some tips and kind of came up with that. But reviews are always so important and it's important to stay on top of them and manage them correctly so that you can manage your brand and your image on social media. Does anyone have any questions?
1: I don't have a question, but I wanted to highlight what you've, what you've uh, sort of underscored for me, the fact that we see, I think we tend to see negative reviews as a threat um, and the opportunity of counteracting that with a strength, which is going in there and demonstrating uh, some some of the business culture and approach to problems. And so, you know, once the negative review is up there, it's there, especially if it's a real one. Um, but actually turning that into an opportunity.
3: Absolutely, and I mean, you could, I've even seen people go in after the fact, you know, ter- if you've got a negative review, the business responds, and they have such a good response, the customer comes back and says, thank you so much, you know, and maybe they take the review down, maybe they change the review. You know, it's definitely a chance to more, earn more followers and, and have a good experience.
0: Can you speak a little bit more to the spammy reviews and kind of how do you identify those and how do you differentiate between what's a real review and what's a spammy review? And where are the spammy reviews coming from? Like, who is it that's putting a review that's not a legit review and what's the benefit to them? Oh my goodness. Stephanie, have you
3: spent much time on Reddit? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's there. It's going to show off, you know, people, there's trolls everywhere and they're just going to pop up and, and say things that they you know, to try to stir the pot and things like that. So you really just, you know, you especially on social media, you just want to flag them, you know, hopefully let the right people take care of them, but but not feed fuel to the fire because that's what they want. They're just wanting to get a response and wanting to make trouble. And most people these days could scroll through a free feed and now notice, oh, that's completely out there. Like, if there is something in all caps with, 20 emojis and you know it just seems completely out of tone with the other reviews and things like that people will go past it and know that it's
0: a little out there awesome any other thoughts or feedback for sarah she's definitely on a topic that is so important for businesses now this is huge because you can have all the great marketing in the world and then your company can <laughs> not have good reviews and it just all the great marketing the world won't fix that
3: And another thing about reviews is just check them. There's so many businesses that I know that don't even, they're like, oh, we have reviews, you know, just, you know, follow up with them, go check them, check your social media outlets outlets occasionally, you know, um, maybe they're checking Facebook, but they're not checking Google. Um, Maybe they haven't checked Yelp. Maybe they didn't know that they were getting reviews on Yelp. Um, So it's just important to, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's and check those things.
2: Yeah, it's a really important topic and one that we probably don't pay much attention to and need to. And I like Stephanie's question. I had kind of the same one as you know those spam ones that do come in need to be addressed because if they're not addressed, that's going to bring you know it's going to bring the rating down. So I don't All know right. what companies think of that. It's a really good tip.
0: Yeah, I also feel like if you really provide a clear <laughs> path of communication to where you're actively following up with your customers and you're asking for that feedback, maybe via email, you know, how was your service? And then they can respond in email and you can directly address it versus them having to post something publicly. I know I'm hesitant to just blast a company online. I usually try to contact them first and figure out, you know, what's the situation, what's going on just to, you know, be kind. (laughs) But if you have that avenue where you can do that and you actually get a response, I feel like people probably do, it's, It's a quicker way to get the information and then it's not as public. (laughs) So you can take care of it and not, you know, have this horrible review online.
2: Yeah, it's it's a good point. I found previously when I was in sales, some of my best relationships were the ones that didn't start out so well. And maybe that a lot of times fall back on expectations. And, you know, some folks would kind of view that as, oh, they're a pain in the ass. Well, no, they've got some expectations and they're testing us to respond. And I think that really level sets the relationship is how you respond to the negative feedback or review is really going to set you up for success. So I like, I think Stephanie mentioned where that maybe becomes an opportunity is where, where the excitement begins.
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That's great. Good topic, Sarah. Thank you for bringing that up today. Dan, would you like to introduce yourself and present a tip? And then
2: we'll go to Brian. Yeah, sure. I won't take too much time. I put it in the chat on what we do. Dan Visquenza, I'm with. IDA agency, it's literally the letter I, the letter D, the number eight IDA agency, and we're located uh, in Marietta on the square. So the first time this happened was in 1966. The following year in 1967, roughly 39 million. This year was 113.7 million, but it was not the biggest year. The biggest year was in 2014. Would anyone like to take a guess of where I'm getting these facts from or what it represents? I'm very curious, but I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The reference will give it away. According to superbowl-ads.com, these are the number of Super Bowl viewers. So this past Super Bowl that we just experienced a couple weeks ago happened to be the third largest largest delivered uh, audience on TV. It also broke a record and became the highest for a thirty second ad. It was seven million dollars. That's just for the airtime. Uh-huh. So in nineteen sixty seven, I'm um, using that year instead of sixty six because in nineteen sixty six, that was the first Super Bowl. They actually had two TV stations that carried the broadcast. So from measurement standpoint. Um, it was fifty-four thousand five hundred for a thirty-second ad that reached roughly, as I mentioned earlier, thirty-nine million viewers. Uh, this past year, as I mentioned, seven million dollars for one hundred thirteen point seven million viewers, and then the big year, I believe, was two thousand fourteen. It was four point two five million dollars to reach the largest number of Super Bowl viewers of one hundred fourteen point four million dollars. So, not to bore you with statistics, this all funnels down to one kind of elementary question. And that is, the million dollar question is, to the roughly 70 advertisers, which by the way, they sold out very quickly, to those 70 advertisers in the Super Bowl, was their ad worth the investment? Now, there's measurements in marketing that agencies use, um, and I'm going to just take one and then I'll get to kind of the point. And that is, agencies will use what they call a cost per thousand, it's called the CPM. And that basically is a measurement of the dollar spent versus the thousand of people you're reaching. In 1967, it cost $1.39 to reach a thousand people. In 2014, again, which was the biggest audience, it was $37 to reach a thousand people this past year. It was $61 to reach a thousand people. So I'm not going to bore you with statistics. I found some other data that was quite interesting to answer this question. And I'm just going to go to the real with a modernized checklist how your advertising is working and is it worth the investment? And there's three elementary things we were taught in marketing years ago and I think they still hold true today. However, I'm giving it one spin uh, on one of these elements that I'm calling the five A's and we'll talk about that briefly. So the three key the number of people in the quantity, but are those people, what's the level of the Well, do they align with your target market for your product or service? So that's always important. Frequency speaks for itself. How many times is the ad running or being seen as we've referenced the Super Bowl. Obviously there were big viewers in that. So we know the frequency there. The last component, which I think is super interesting is becoming a big part of what marketing is today is really your message. And the message really rolls to what is the creative at the end of the day, that can be a lot of things. So I narrowed it down to just five, I think, key components when you're putting together a message for an ad. And I'm calling them the five A's. They're align, assign, asking, authentic, and analysis. So the first one is align. When you're putting your creative together in your message, does it align with your goals? Does it align with the company purpose? Does it align with your brand? Does it align with your design? And who else? Would benefit from what you're doing. A good example of that was years ago. You probably think it was 2019. Do y'all remember the the TikTok ad with Nathan on the skateboard with the ocean spray and the very famous song by Fleetwood Mac, "Dreams"? How many of y'all seen that? None of you seen this? Oh, you got to look this up. So when you run an ad, sometimes there's organic or viral pieces that'll come from that ad. It'll get picked up by social media now, which is kind of the big thing. You can't predict that, but I think that's an important thing to to kind of factor in here other than a CPM because it doesn't tell the whole story. So that's a line, a sign is real simple. It's what what medium are you using to attach your message to? There's different strengths and weaknesses based on that medium. Billboards are gonna be different than what you might do in print. Asking, in the message, the third component of the A's is what you're asking. What are you asking them to do? If it's a print ad, where are you driving them to now take action? Is it easy? Are you asking, Are you clear with your message and what you're asking them to do? If it's to pick up the phone and call, the other component you have to think of is if they're doing what you're asking them to do, are you prepared to now execute on it? Who's actually answering the phone and what are they doing? What's the cadence of taking care of that lead when it comes in the door? So that's very important to, to pay attention to as well. The last two things are authentic and analysis authentic is really what it is is your message unique does it stand out there's a lot of options now for marketing are you standing out from the competition in this cluttered world of marketing and are you providing are you providing something that they could pick up right the last piece is analysis which is really an attribution model at the end of the day do we have a way to measure it and provide the proper credit for the message and the ad so thank you
0: so thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. It's a lot to consider. There are lots of history that, man, it's it's so unreachable for so many businesses. So how do you feel about you know smaller businesses? Like how do you feel that that applies to smaller businesses who may not have budgets? You know what do they need to focus on to make sure that their ads are getting in front of people and that their um, cost per you know cost per thousand is something that they can afford to make it worth them doing it.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I was kind of, maybe I did it. I could have done a better explanation of it. I was taking something so big, ambiguous with a Super Bowl ad and $7 million. It represents a very small group of companies that can do that. And there's stats that show why it's effective, but it doesn't represent the 99% of other companies. Um, but really the answer, the is the Super Bowl ad worth the investment? Really boils down to the fundamentals of a smaller size company and these ways of kind of measuring that and taking a look at you know what's the reach, what's the frequency, what's the message, and are we applying it properly? So awesome. That's great. Any other thoughts
0: or questions for Dan?
2: I I love love, a
3: lot of go ahead. (laughs) I love looking at these ads after the you know and kind of thinking about I think it's so interesting what advertising agencies are, you know, what's sticking to the wall and, how you know, the strategies that they're taking And It was interesting to share how many um, were not sticking to like the brand message and it seemed like they were trying to do things that were just completely off capturing attention like the the and ms like oysters or, you know, um, things like that, but then other people were sticking to the message, um, so and a lot of celebrities this
2: year. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of research on why that's helpful, but again, this is kind of a really ambiguous example of you know, some of the value that we do at ID8 Agency is really setting companies up at the beginning before they do their advertising, before they actually spend their hard dollars to now invite customers to come to their business. A lot of that work on the front end needs to be done so things are in place. You know, You gotta go through a brand strategy, you gotta have the right design, um, and you got to do the research. So once those things start to develop, then you can efficiently and effectively determine now, how do I go invite customers? Now I'm going to, like the example of throwing a birthday party, I'm ready to have the birthday party on X date. Now I can start inviting some of my friends and family to that birthday party. So nice.
1: I know many businesses who uh, shy away from things like Google advertising because they're saying, I have a very well-defined target market. And I don't want anybody who's Googling to call, I, I, the concern that that's gonna be a lot of wasted calls, but what you're describing and that whole process and setting it up in a certain way, um, it sounds like a much more effective way to still be able to use the tools of advertising and at the same time be selective about who that's targeting and the impression that the business makes. And you could probably do a tip on each of those individual A's because I'm sure there's a lot yeah. in there that, that that's a really good system, uh, very clear.
2: Thank you, Rebecca. It was a lot. And you're right. I could have probably spent, you know, 40 minutes on just one of the topics. Yeah, but thank
0: awesome. you. We'll come back next month and start with the first A, and then we can <laughs> have a series of tips from Dan. <laughs> We'd love to hear it. Awesome. Thank you for sharing, Dan. Brian, would you like to introduce yourself and present your tip today?
4: Absolutely. Well, I've already introduced who I am, but it kind of, I guess, uh, the focus on the whole branding idea that we've got going here I decided to kind of pull together uh, the two main skill sets that I have kind of myself which is visual design and web development and uh, how many of you guys run your own business maybe you're a solopreneur or have your yeah <laughs> so we're we're always uh, branding you know it, it's it's much bigger than obviously your logo you, you know, kind of your brand is anything forward-facing that your clients see um you know their opinion of you and we can always be improving that and and we're always as business owners trying to get in front of new people right so um how do we do this we we create things, assets that we kind of offer up and uh especially on our websites we um we'll do things like have uh warm lead generators Um, these are often tools right that we use and so how do we make assets like that that uh you know uh offer a lot of value um uh, is a a source of that we can really put forth our authority and also maintains our brand so how do do we pull all those things together Um, is it possible for me to share my screen stephanie
0: Yes, it should be ready to go.
4: Okay. Well, um, what you can do is uh, approach someone like Rebecca and have her really craft you um, some good messaging on a particular topic that you know well, and really just create, uh, I guess, the 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 textual skeleton of a of a warm lead generator. But then you need to actually put that on you know, something physical that people can read. And so that normally is like a downloadable PDF, right? Um, the trick is kind of making those look professional and really on brand. And so uh, that's what I'm kind of uh, here talking about. Um, let's see. Can you see my screen? This is a little uh, generator I did for a client. Um, Audiovisual space, uh, just a really simplistic template. And as you can see, there's not really a ton of text on it. So you don't really have to generate tons of content to make something that looks high quality and high value. And some other tips are you know, um, what about imagery, you know, stock photography, um, you know, you can either use paid and but there are also lots of really great free options out there. These just happen to be from a, a free source called unsplash or any of you familiar with unsplash so let me uh again kind of jump in so this is actually my source design document for this and if I was to click off I think my yeah Sorry, the uh, Zoom stuff was covering up my layers. If I I click off all my layers, you can kind of see the the source photography uh, is basically just kind of a lot of downloads from Unsplash um, from a lot of different um, photographers. I tried to do my best to really um, keep a a general theme and uh, type and style of photo. But you can't always uh, get photos that necessarily look like they're from the same photographer, or the same shoot. And so, what I'm kind of demonstrating here is that you can kind of take uh, photos that generally work well together. And then, by simply doing something like adding a layer with your brand colors to kind of colorize the photos, it, it's, it, it, does a good or it, it goes a long way to sort of homogenize the look of each one. Does that kind of make sense? And then i I also pulled in some patterns here that I also used on the website in kind of a sparing way. and then you pull that all together with the text overlaid on top and you can get a a very uh, professional look um, just using one font in this particular instance um, outside of. Like this, these uh, these header fonts, um, but it's it's the same font. Um, and again, you don't need a lot of text. You can just uh, spread it all out. Use uh, pictures in a large way, and uh, you know, without really a whole lot of effort, I created a 20 plus page uh, document that then becomes a you know a high value download uh, that someone. I think would be willing to trade their email address to receive, so um, that's my tips. And uh, so if I can get back to the right screen. um...
0: That's great, Brian. I love that idea because it is hard to make pictures fit together. So that's such a great trick to make it feel like you have a photographer, (laughs) but not actually have to have all the pictures original. So that's great. Any thoughts, ideas for Brian?
2: I think it's super cool how you can, you know, change the color right to match the the feel and design of the company is. They're small things but they're so impactful.
4: Yeah, I think that's the that's really a lot of what design is is just kind yeah. of using using uh, and it you, you don't even have to have a lot of design assets really uh, to do something like that. You just need a few colors, a few, a few fonts and kind of a general style of photography that you use. And if you apply those consistently, then it goes a long way to really making your brand look professional, right?
0: It also looks yeah, like that sure. translate easily to social media, where you could take a lot of those mm-hmm. things without a lot of extra work and make those work for social media as, you know, a slide or, you know, something like that.
4: Well, I hope yeah, that was
1: great. helpful.
0: Awesome, thank you, Brian. We appreciate it. All right. So my name is Stephanie Richards. My company is Sogro Public Relations and we help companies to get exposure in front of their key target markets. And today I want to talk about speaking. I feel like we are actually in the golden era of speaking. And I feel like speaking in some ways is now the new media relations. Media relations has changed a lot And a lot of media relations now is pay to play and there's a lot, there are fewer opportunities in some sense of, of getting media coverage. And a lot of it is now, you know, doing monthly columns and and being a contributor and things like that, where it's not um, the same as it used to be. And so people are really fighting and trying to get in front of new audiences and social media is so noisy and everybody's trying to capture attention there. And you have about two seconds to get somebody's attention before they scroll And so I feel like we're entering this era where speaking is more valuable than it has ever been before. So obviously you still need media relations, you still need social media, but a lot of companies can really take advantage of speaking, especially if you have multiple thought leaders in a company that can speak. So there's a couple different things with this. So speaking is something that gets you in front of your target market, and it's more than the two-second scroll on social media. You usually have about 45 minutes to get in front of people and you are now the person that is commanding the attention and everybody's paying attention to you. So you're not competing with millions of other accounts and posts on social media. You are the message at that moment that people are paying attention to. And so this is a great opportunity for you to do multiple things walking out of a speaking engagement. It's an opportunity for you to grow your email list when you're speaking, a lot of people love kind of like, oh, I know the speaker. I got to talk to the speaker or, oh, that speaker is so smart. They're the expert in the room. And everybody wants to talk to the speaker. Whereas on social media, it's like we're shouting and trying to get people's attention. Usually after an event, the speaker's you know, five people deep and everybody's trying to talk to the speaker, right? So it's a great opportunity for you to connect with people and grow your email list and stay in touch with them. It's also an opportunity for you to grow your social media following. So invite those people to follow you. And people tend to to get a, a pretty good bump after they do a speaking engagement. It's also an opportunity to connect personally with people on social media. If somebody sees your post, they can you know, move on to the next thing and never actually interact with you. But you're actually able to talk with people after an event and make those personal connections. And then speaking also increases your credibility. There's something about speaking that people just are like, oh, we're the audience, you're the speaker, you're the expert. And it just adds such a layer of credibility. Um, And then the the in-person events have just exploded post-pandemic. People are so excited to be in person again. Everybody is trying to, you know, get those personal connections again. But we're also maintaining that virtual component. So not only do you get those in-person interactions, but now everything is pretty much a hybrid event and virtual as well. So you get to meet with people in person. You get to have the extra exposure of a digital virtual audience. And then all of this gets replayed later. So everything is recorded usually. And now you're on YouTube or whatever other social media platform. Now you have clips of these speaking um, quotes that you may have. And so one speaking engagement can have a very long-term effect in growing your audience and getting exposure in front of multiple audiences. And it can, can live pretty long. So I would say... Part of your your media strategy for 2023 for you and your clients. So as marketers, speaking is great. This is something that I would advise you guys to have your clients add into their marketing strategy. Um, And just make sure that it's not just, hey, we're going to speak, you know, once or twice. You know, make sure it's something where you're trying to speak every quarter or trying to get something every month and being intentional about that. And to prepare to do that, you need a few things in place. You need to have about three topics that you can speak about very comfortably in your area of expertise and just have those presentations done, have them ready to go. If you're going to have slides, have slides, have it completely finished. And you can always tailor it. You can always tweak it. But you're going to have three basic messages or three basic things that you can start to fit into the different um, media or speaking opportunities that you may have. And then um, create a one-sheet speaker profile That has your bio, it has the information that you are presenting with. You know, these are the topics that I cover. If you've spoken in other places, you can put the places that you've spoken, have your picture on there, and it's basically just your speaking resume. Um, You know, make sure you have a good headshot. I run into that a lot with clients where you know, we're like, okay, here's your speaking engagement. And then the event coordinator wants the headshot and they're like, oh, I don't have a headshot. And we send this teeny tiny thing, low resolution. So get your headshot ready to go, high resolution. Um, And then start creating a list of speaking engagements and opportunities and, you know, really think a year out because these things book up pretty quickly. So as soon as an event happens, start watching for when they're putting their call for speakers out and just have that on a spreadsheet and, and keep on tabs with that because you know it's usually six to nine months out that they've got their speakers lined up, um, and then go to those websites and um, you know don't think of just huge conferences. Also think of like your local business association. You know there are a lot of other events that are local and maybe they're smaller. You know organizations like Vistage, different business networking organizations. If you can have multiple speaking engagements where you know some are huge conferences, you're in front of hundreds of people. You know, maybe some you're in front of 30 people. If you're consistent and just do those every month, that's going to be a huge bump for your marketing. And then I recommend, um, add a speaker request page on your website and that gives people the sense of, you know, I speak so frequently that I have to have a, a speaker request form on my website so that people can submit that and I can decide where to speak. <laughs> so even if you don't speak that much, it's still a great thing to have on your website just as a, a way to, you know, make it easy for people if they want you to speak, and it also just adds a little bit of credibility in the sense that, you know, if you really are speaking frequently, it does help you weed out the ones that are not great opportunities and it helps you to really select the ones that are. Um, and then also just most speaking engagements obviously go through the submission process for formal speaking proposals, but most speaking engagements come from knowing people and just letting people know. So when you're at these BNI events and these marketing events, or, you know, if you're just networking with people and they're like, hey, how can I help you? One of the things you could say is, I speak. Do you know of any events that need a speaker? And that's usually your best in forgetting, um, getting a speaking engagement. So again, I'm not saying that you should abandon media relations. Media relations is wonderful. It's great. It's just, it's a little bit harder to get now than it used to be. So definitely have some other areas where you're getting in front of people and able to get those connections because people are just really wanting those in-person connections. And I feel like speaking, this is like the golden era of speaking right now. So, you know, definitely take advantage of that. So, all right. Thank you guys so much. And does everybody have like maybe five minutes to have a discussion about something that I'm curious if you guys are experiencing as well? If you guys have to jump off, that's totally cool. But I just wanted to throw out a question because this is a group that we can, can do this and I'll just start out there for you guys. But we're running into things where um, Instagram is just kind of shutting down accounts. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have had experience with this, but we had an account that we set up for a client. We got the handle and didn't post anything for a while because we didn't have all of the you know like you guys were talking about like the brand assets and the messaging and that in place so we just kind of held the account went to log back into it and it said it had been disabled so we're kind of running into this and i just want to kind of give a you guys a heads up i think what might be happening is because the account is inactive it might be that the um account got hacked and they posted content that we didn't know about. And then, because it said we violated community guidelines and we hadn't posted anything. So again, I'm just throwing this out there and we couldn't figure out what happened. So I just want to kind of throw this out there and say, hey, number one, be aware of that. And I would say maybe make your account private for a while until, (laughs) I don't know if that would help or not. But have you guys experienced this? Do you guys have any thoughts on like what may be happening with this? Because it's happened, you know, like this is
2: kind of happening a lot. (laughs) It's an IG. Um, account for a business yes has there been any posts there wasn't any posts yet zero posts zero. but it had the company name in it
0: it um it had the the name that we were using for the product
2: yeah maybe that's why they just that's why maybe they shut it off because they want paid for because they know your message isn't going to be about a product or a service and that's gonna be free for you but not for them maybe that was my oh, immediate just, thought.
0: Is that in their community guidelines? That because I
2: well, maybe that's when they refer to their community. I guess you'd said they violated community something. Maybe that's what that is. Yeah, that was my yeah. immediate thought. I don't know if that's, that's the right answer, but yeah,
0: that's a great thing to look into because that. the reason
2: well, they shut it off is that's how they make their money. Is they want you to pay for that messaging for the advertisement on their platform. So awesome. I will look
4: that stats, or I was thinking maybe a lot of people getting in there and squatting on certain accounts uh, just to have them um, or potentially keep it away from their competition. Like maybe it's something their competition could use They're squatting on it, but not using
0: it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We actually had the account like we had the login. We set up the account and it was ready to go. And we we're okay. like, oh, we're ready to start posting. We logged in and it said um, that it had been disabled because we violated community guidelines. And it said that um, within 30 days, there's a review process and we hadn't logged in (laughs) because we weren't ready to post. And so Mm -hmm. it said, you know, you can no longer appeal because it had been 31 days or more. So there's literally like no. So again, I say this to say, like, if you get that handle that you want, because, you know, as soon as you get your branding, you're like, okay, well, let me grab that handle. You put your handle in, you get all that set up. And then I think somebody came in and hacked the account and started posting spam. I'm guessing that's what happened. So um, again, I just say this to kind of give you guys a heads up if you guys are, you know, setting up social media accounts for your clients and, you know, because now that handle is no longer available. So we had to pivot to do something else.
3: Well, there's, I mean, there's so much spam. And I mean, with the AI bots and things like that, and even the AI chat now, I mean, on Instagram, we get a ton of the... Um, send your pick here, you know, this. And we even had a couple posts like blow up with like, you know, way more likes than we regularly get. Remember that one time. And it was because someone was like, Hey, I'm in India. I can promote your social post. And it's like, no, we're not interested. But um, yeah.
0: yeah. And I'm also seeing a lot of small business accounts with like 200 followers and somebody's duplicating it. And then they're reaching out to the followers and it has their profile picture and it's a similar name. Have you guys seen this too? I, and I'm looking at it. These are really, you know, just small little yeah. like real estate agents and things like that. And I just feel like there's so much um, just hacking and people just kind of, and I'm thinking, why do these people want to, what benefit is there? You know, it's just, it's just sad that that people are out there spending their time doing this sort of thing. But I just, and again, I, I mentioned this a long time ago about Instagram, but, you know, make sure you kind of have a backup plan you know, make sure you have your followers downloaded and you know who they are. So if you have to set something up, if your accounts get shut down for whatever reason, um, and then watch for those duplicate accounts because they're happening to small businesses and and just regular, you know, individuals, there's just all kinds of, I've seen, I had to two of my friends now have had their accounts duplicated. It's just spam. Yeah. yeah.
3: You can't put all your, and that's one of the things we always tell our clients is make sure that you, are capturing those email addresses, like Brian talked about, so that you're not putting all your eggs in the basket of the social media profile, because, I mean, even, you know, they could, you could have a problem You could get some issue with the profile, Um, you know, TikTok could be suspended and go away in the U.S. at some point because of issues going on with China, like, you know,
0: who knows? Yeah, absolutely. So, And LinkedIn is the easiest one to go down and just download your contacts there. So just FYI, every quarter. Yeah, you can go into LinkedIn and you can actually download your contacts because I feel like LinkedIn is the most valuable for for me. I just feel like those are years of relationships of real people that I know. And, you know, it could be one glitch and their server is gone or you violated community guidelines and they shut down your account. You can't get it back. I mean, it can be that quick and there's no recourse sometimes. So, you know, all that say, everybody go download all your contacts you know social media figure out if you can keep all those names somewhere. Um, because this is just happening. So yeah, just you know, wanted to throw that out there as kind of like a warning and then just see if you guys had some similar experiences because you worked so hard to build up these accounts and then all of a sudden it's just gone. And it's just it's it's really sad for you know business owners to just overnight have stuff like that happen. So awesome. Well thank you guys so much for sharing your tips today. I so appreciate it. This was so great to just talk with you guys and Hear what's going on in your areas of expertise. So please sign up for next time. It's the third Tuesday of every month. So it'll be March 21st. We log on at 9:50 a.m. Eastern time just to kind of chat and network. And then we start at 10 a.m. Eastern. And your job this week is to go invite another marketing colleague and bring them next week because we would love to meet your friends and just have more um, expertise and, and more um, brain power that we can learn from. So thank you guys so much for coming and we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Sogro Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SogroPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com. And click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing.